Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. With me today, I have Will Allred. Will is the writer and creator of the awesome indie comic series, Crossover Divisions, where classic literature characters and settings kind of bleed into our own uh, world and reality, and it's a a series I cannot recommend highly enough. Um, Will was just such a, a great person to talk to and chat with because his emotion and and just love and passion for comics was just just so evident, not only from our conversation, but for, um, you know, what he has down on the page from Crossover Divisions. Um, so I, I cannot recommend his uh, series enough, and it is just a, a real awesome pleasure and treat to chat with him today. Um, and before we get out of here, if you want uh, the first issue of my hit indie series man of sin delivered right to your email all you have to do is go to aguildy.com forward slash free comic and you can sign up for my fan list and you'll get uh free access to behind the scenes material get notifications of when this podcast goes live and you'll get man of sin issue number one sent directly to you so without further ado enjoy the conversation all right well thank you so much for joining me uh, uh today first off uh I really, really, really love the fact that I get to hang out with someone, <laughs> you know, this, this, you know, I, I back a lot of Kickstarters, but very few, um, I back, uh, with the physical version. So I'm so glad that I got to hold it in my hand, get to talk to you. And, uh, the first question I, I want to ask is you're, uh, a prof- literary professor, literary, let I'm me know what mad. you're doing there. I'm many things, I guess. Uh, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, uh, We're all in the same boat. (laughs) uh, My day job is basically uh, IT at at, uh, at one of the public universities here in Arkansas, the University of Arkansas. But um, for quite a few years, I also taught at uh, a junior college here, local. Uh, Basically English, uh, you know, English 101, you know, that everybody hates to take. And a lot of people seem to not like to teach, but I I really enjoyed it. Uh, And then as I wormed my way into their good graces, they actually let me teach a comics class, uh, comics and graphic novels. I think I got to teach it three times, you know, about every three semesters, they'd let me teach it. Um, Suckers. Uh, (laughs) And it was honestly... And I, and I haven't taught in a while. I've just, I had to, something had to give and to get more writing done and everything. I kind of had to pull back from the teaching and I do miss it. And I'll probably end up going back to it at some point, but uh, of course the world is crazy at this point. So, you know, planning is kind of a hard thing to do, but I did really enjoy the teaching part of it. Um, being up in front of a classroom, it's, it's energizing, but uh, I would probably come home and crash afterwards. Uh, it's it's kind of a performance art, you know, being up in front of a classroom and keeping everybody from falling asleep. Um, but it's also really fulfilling. Uh, I mean, it's you know these these students, you know, are students that aren't going to you know prestigious four year universities or colleges. You know, they're going to a junior college, but you know they're trying to better them. And, they didn't I always joke with them first thing and said, you know, Hey, you know, I know you guys are all English majors, you know, I'm happy to have you. And, you know, <laughs> you know, all you could hear, you know, audibly groan at that point, but um, 
even though the class was, you know, required, you know, I always told them at the beginning, you know, my goal is not to make you the next, you know, Stephen King or the next, you know, whoever, you know, pick your, pick your writer. It was just to get better, you know, just to learn something. And I do, I do miss it. And I haven't, it's been a few semesters now that I've been, that I, that I've skipped and I do miss it. But part of me is also like, you know, this last, this pandemic year is, I, I probably, I, I feed off of that in-person, you know, interaction that we have, you know, with, with a class. And I don't know that it would have been as fulfilling and certainly would have been a lot harder for me over the last, you know, year and a half because of the pandemic. So maybe I just timed it right. I don't know. So all every, everything that you said resonates with me. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a, a English teacher. That's what I do I'm a, a, by trade. So everything that you said, I'm just in nodding my head completely. And one of the ta- uh, classes I teach is uh, English 101 uh, for, for, for uh, the uh I, I teach high school English, um, mm-hmm. but we do dual credit. And so we link up with the uh, community college by us. And oh, so cool. I teach mm-hmm. the one, the community college 101 course to the high school seniors. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really uh, teaching during a pandemic. I, is, I can't even, honestly. <laughs> in, in, is the, it's got to be one of the wild, like we're going to look back on, on this and be like, well, this is the wildest thing anyone has ever tried to do. And, and we're, we're doing it right. Like we, yeah. we're like four, what are we, four or five weeks away from summer break. So, I mean, we've, we've done it. We're doing it. We did yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's crazy. So I, the first thing I got to pick your brain on is <laughs> when you taught that comics class, did you create the curriculum? Was it given to you? Did you have like free reign? What did you teach? Like, I am so like, I am so interested in that. It was, it was really kind of fun. I was, so I, you know, I wanted to teach a comics and graphic novels class because, and this was teaching it as, you know, as literature, not necessarily as how to, because I, I don't know that I feel my, I'm qualified to how to it because there's so many people that, you know, know every step intimately of, you know, how, the process of a, you know, how a comic gets made. But one of the things I, I didn't want to make it all superheroes. I love superheroes. I do, but I didn't want to make the class superheroes only. So I, I kind of hit upon, I wanted to focus on the writers I thought that were important. Um, so of course, Alan Moore, uh, Grant Morrison, Warren Ellis, uh, who's, uh, who I, who I actually wrote my dissertation on, um, which is, makes me very disappointed in the news <laughs> last year. Yeah, of, you know, for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, of course you can't, you, I think there's a rule somewhere. You can't teach a comics and graphic novels class. If you don't talk about the 800 pound gorilla in the room, right? Batman, the dark Knight returns. So <laughs> So I tried to fit some writers in and I, I really kind of came at it from a, a writer centric point. So we talked, uh, I, tr- I tried to do it. Nobody else would come up with this curriculum and it's probably, it was, I, I kind of decided to make it a survey of popular American comics. 
um, with a few exceptions that uh, they let me teach Walter Simonson's Thor. It's awesome. <laughs> Put it on there and it made it through. It was great. Um, Hold on, did you have like a did you did you have to like have a like approved book list for this class? Yeah, I, uh, I I'll send you the I'll send you what I what I was teaching. But basically, I started out with um, understanding comics because it's such a foundational and great. I mean, it's McLeod as a teacher. You know that book as teaching. You know this is what comics is. I mean, it's just so great. You know, and I think the students really got a lot out of starting with that. You know, then we moved into, I think we did Watchmen and V for Vendetta. And then for Ellis, uh, we did plant the first volume of Planetary. And excuse me, just a second. Sorry about that. That's my delay. Um, we did um, Planetary and Transmit because uh, those are, I just love planetary so much, you know, as, as a work. It's your, this, uh, this remind, I was going to say, this reminds me, I feel it's very heavily influenced by planetary. If I had to have a you, comp, you would say, not be wrong at all. It totally is. <laughs> uh, so, well, yeah. So I, I don't mean to derail you, but while uh-huh. I was reading uh, crossover division, mm-hmm. uh, I was just like, man, like if there was like a comparison, like, like this this feels like um planetary met like the you have just made my week i'm not gonna i'm gonna be <laughs> flying high for the next week thank you yeah no no it felt it, it had that planetary feel but also had god i'm trying to think of what there was like a it's like if warren ellis had like a a deep love for classic literature that's what that's what it felt like it felt like planetary in in that classic literature sense awesome um, instead Thank of you just so like much. yeah you're welcome and the fact that you said you know we read planetary because you know i love it so much i was like okay so uh, i wasn't so, wrong and, like uh, and it was yeah it was actually a little bit inspired by planetary because there was a point at which uh spoilers for anybody who hasn't read planetary you know it's 10 years old at this point, but there's a point where uh, the four, they create a fictional reality and then they try to send somebody to it. And that started the wheels turning. Uh, You know, what, what if that wasn't the case, but what if, what if fictional realities, you know, started invading, you know, quote unquote, our reality. And uh, it, the first impulse was really, really dark. And which is strange because I'm, I don't really consider myself. I mean, my first published work was a vampire story, was Diary of Night, which was vampires. I don't really consider myself, you know, strongly into horror or anything like that. But um, my first first thought for kind of crossover division was, you know, an old agent who's kind of sitting with his, you know, head down. He's got blood all over his arms. And he's just tired and he sighs. And he says, a man can only gut black beauty so many times. <laughs> and I, I, I totally went away from that, but that was kind of the initial, uh, you know, take on it, you know, cause I was, uh, it evolved much, 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 you know, from that, but uh, that was pretty dark. And I, but, you know, between the, the, the planetary influence and then kind of what I, 
you know, I laid it out on that first page, what, what it's about, you know, he's teaching his class. Hank is teaching his class. And he details him exactly what, what the story is about. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was, I thought that was really well done. Um, we, you know, we know exactly, you know, in, in screenwriting terms, you know, the, the theme stated is mm-hmm. right there up in front, but you, you don't, you don't hit us over the head with it, which I thought, you know, I wanted to, you know, talk to you about that. It was, it was really well done through dialogue and, and the pacing of the, of that, of the first few pages. What was it like kind of working through that opening? Cause you know, as a writer myself, I could just think like, there's a fine line between telling the audience exactly what they want to hear and hiding it within dialogue and actions, which I think you did a really nice job of. So how long did it take you to get that opening? Well, first, thank you. Um, but uh, it, it, it was multiple iterations and I can't take full credit for it. Um, I was, when I first started the script for number one, uh, I was a member of the comics experience uh, creators forum. And one of the great things that they've got over there is they've got working editors, you know, working writers, working artists. Um, so first draft of the script, uh, you know, I got reviewed by other creators over there and then uh, by one of the editors. I can't remember who it was at that time. And then I kept iterating from that. And honestly, the first version of it was just probably way too decompressed. Uh, it was really slow. Uh, and that was one of the, you know, the, the comments on it. And it was, it, I didn't do things very well with respect to Hank. I wanted to show him depressed, but I kind of went overboard. And, you know, that was feedback from, from the, the creators forum, which is a great place. Um, uh, Andy Schmidt runs it and, you know, he teaches classes on, you know, intro to writing, intro to art, inking, coloring, lettering. In fact, I took the lettering class and I will not say that I can letter. I have gained a whole new appreciation for lettering <laughs> from taking the class. I have actually lettered a couple of stories that I got published, but um, I'm, I don't consider myself a letterer because it's just passable. Real letterers are graphic designers and, you know, they, they glue you know, kind of the narrative together, you know, on a page layout basis. And it's, it's really hard and uh, I can kind of make it work, but I'm not a letterer. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the creators, the creators form kind of really helped me there. I, uh, I finally decided that when I was, you know, making a push to get the artists uh, and, you know, get the book going and you know, find a letterer, get the logo and all those things, uh, I went out and and hired an editor, um, Jim Gibbons, who's uh, worked for Dark Horse and a few things. And I think that really helped. I think that helped in ways that I'm not even fully aware of at this point, to be honest. Uh, because one of the first things that we did was work on the pitch. And that is the unsexy, uh, just boring, <laughs> yucky stuff that I typically don't like to do, you know, it's just, I don't know that, you know, maybe a lot of writers love to do the pitch package, you know, and figure all that stuff out, but. I don't, anyone who does is lying to themselves. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, because it just, it's horrible. I just hated it. You know, getting down to your log line, I'm like, 
you know, oh, look, here's the log line for Star Wars. They always use that when I'm like, okay, but no, I can't do that. You know, this is my baby. It's this 20 issue long series. I can't boil that down to three sentences. And, you know, Jim's like, shut up. Yes, you can. <laughs> and then we proceeded to do that, you know, over you know, a couple of months. And then uh, he was the editor. On, we did a, uh, my, my original goal was to get the pitch package put together, uh, find the artist for the series, do an eight page story. That would be part of the pitch package, which is actually, and that's the second story in that issue. It's the Wizard of Oz story. And then shop that around to publishers. And the pandemic hit and comic publishers shut down. And that kind of made me rethink my plan because one, if they could just shut down or Diamond could shut down whenever they want for whatever reason, then I don't really have much control over, you know, who gets to read it, when they get to read it, if anybody gets to read it at that point. So I really look toward um, Kevin Joseph, uh, who is who's a pal. He's a good friend. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're actually working on a, a crossover division tart crossover comic because we like the print that, that we did that uh, Kyle Roberts did for it. Kyle Roberts and Ryan Kroboff did for us for our campaign since we were kind of running them sort of parallel. But uh, Kevin has launched every issue of Tart. He's up to 13, I think, 12 or 13 at this point on Kickstarter. He's also getting stuff released uh, via Scout, you know, which is in the comic shop. So, you know, readers are, are able to see it there. But I, I uh, then there's, uh, I, I'm not as familiar with it, but like uh, Miskatonic High uh, is another one. It's got like 10, 11 issues, I think. Maybe their 11th one is live now. I'd have to double check that. But then Cat, um, uh, uh, she's doing uh, Like Father, Like Daughter, and she's up to issue seven or eight at this point. So it's, it's, it's really kind of scary to me to try to think of it like that. But I really think that that's kind of, you know, I'm going to serialize this using Kickstarter. And... And, and I'll be honest, Kickstarter is still a little bit scary to me. Uh, my first one failed. It was uh, for a collection of Diary of Night. And I realized that, wow, there's so much I don't know. <laughs> so I tried to use that as a, a learning opportunity. I found um, Comics Launch you know, and uh, Tyler James and was able to get a successful launch of the collected edition of Diary of Night. And that that showed me that I can do it. It, it exhausted me emotionally and physically and <laughs> so many other ways, but um, it showed me that I could do it, which, you know, success breeds success, I guess. Uh, I did another make 100 version of it uh, where I did uh, hand lettered, I had a handwritten <laughs> 100 word diary entries in the front of the, of the trades. And that was a success. And then by that point, we're ready to cross over division. And um, we launched, and it was, I was hoping, you know, you always hope to fund at the beginning, <laughs> so you don't have that, you know, month-long slog, but uh, we funded, like, on the next, on the last day or the next to the last day, 
And afterwards I found myself not as exhausted and I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I can do this. So um, that's a really long way of saying that I used editors and lots of input to get the script better. So I, I kind of went way off for No, that. man, I, I, I lo- you know what, I, I love it. I, uh, you know, I, I know uh, uh, Kevin Joseph, not, not too well, but like to the comic community. And I know, I know Mike pretty well uh, over at Miskatonakai, and he just does like an amazing job. Like he's, I, it's so impressive. I mean, they just, they, here's an issue. Boom. Here's another issue. You know, and they just, they, they've yeah, got he, it figured he, out. <laughs> yeah. He has it on a, every, uh, uh, what did he tell me? Every two months or two and a half months, something like that. That's they're amazing. releasing. Yeah. He, um, he, Ryan Mendoza, I think that's his name, his artist. That's he's quit his, I don't know if he, what, what he's doing, but I know he, he does Miskatonic full time now. Oh, wow. And so like, that's, and so like, it's really cool they have the issues done before the Kickstarter come like comes out, I believe. So Mike, if you're hearing this, I apologize if I'm misrepresenting <laughs> your process, but anyways, they, um, they just have that thing like a well-oiled machine, but he worked to this. Like I, I want to say in 2019 is when Miskatonic hired the number one came out. Cause it came out around the same, t- how me and Mike met was I, uh, I was launching, the trade paperback for my graphic novel man of sin at the same time as Katonic high was out. And we kind of, um, in the horror genre, he's not really horror. I mean, it is, but it's, it's a, kind of, kind yeah. of a different angle. Um, so we knew each other then. And, um, I actually edited a few, um, a uh, few of his issues of Miskatonic High, cool. some of the early ones, f- and he was teaching me how to letter. And then, like halfway through, I was like, "I'm just like you. I'm like, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Can't do it, man. Let's get somebody who's an expert at it because I'm not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I want to say that was in. It was right before my daughter was born. Um, so it had to have been 2019. And then from that, like he's just been knocking him yeah, down. So like it's just been awesome to watch, you know, watch him grow. And he just, he's a super nice guy. And I, I always like um, bounce ideas off of him whenever I can. And he's just really, really approachable. So anyone out there listening, shoot Mike a message. He's super awesome, dude. <laughs> and he's, he's getting it, getting it done. I mean, he's serializing yeah. via Kickstarter, which is amazing. I mean, and to do 10 or 11 issues or 12 issues, whatever, whatever he's up to is just, I mean, that's, that's awesome. That is just, you know, I'm not worthy. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how, how many, how many issues do you have planned out now for crossover divisions? Well, I have, I have like the last two or three page sequence kind of written up here at this point. Um, And I see it kind of as five acts. Uh, and each act is a four issue series. So 20 issues would be if it was really tight, just, you know, boom, 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 boom. But honestly, once you hit the end of, once you hit act four, you know, five has to follow almost immediately just because of the way I've structured it. But you can kind of be in act two and act three for a while. So if, you know, if it's, insanely popular and people want to keep buying it, you know, and reading it, then, you know, we don't necessarily have to move into the end game as fast as I had planned, but um, it, there is, there is a plan and there is very much a story that I'm telling, not only with Hank, but with Hector and 
and Betsy, who you haven't really seen yet, but you will soon. Uh, and, and the rest of, you know, crossover division, it's, Again, you know, it comes back to what it's about, and it's about the truth. You know, there is an objective, rational truth that sometimes um, fictions overwrite, <laughs> even in real life. <laughs> and I'm, I most people probably won't get this. I, my bachelor's degree is in economics, of all things. So there is a, a lie that has permeated reality and changed it called trickle-down economics. We know it's a lie. They knew it was a lie 40 years ago when they started talking about it. And yet it changed the you know, monetary policy, the taxation policy, everything of this country, even though it was a lie. And right, <laughs> truth is important. <laughs> so, and that's kind of you know at the core of what crossover division, I guess, is is really about. Is that you know these these fictions overtake reality, but we you know they have to come in and remind people what the truth is. The truth is sometimes stranger than fiction, but the truth is that that's a lie. That's a fiction, you know, and. One of the, the things that I love is, you know, telling truths with, you know, telling truths with lies is, I guess, what I'm striving for. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get there, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's such an interesting concept that you're telling the truth through this, through lies. And I, I, I definitely see that, you know, as you're, you know, you're talking, uh, just going back to the opening and, and you're talking mm-hmm. about lies and, and what they yeah. do to you and, and all that. It's, it's really well done, really, really well put together. Um, one of my, one of my, I, I wanted to ask you about this. One of my favorite panels, um, I could find, I could flip it open. Um, but most people, most, no, other than me and you, no one's going to be like, yeah. what are they talking about? So yeah. I will do my best to try to describe it. It's where, um, um, I forget her name. It might be Kat, the girl that um, your main character um, is kind oh, of obsessing um, over. Yeah, that's Betsy. Betsy, okay. Well, and, uh, we don't know. Technically, we don't. He doesn't know who it is, but everybody should guess by now that that's, that's going to be Betsy, yes. So um, <laughs> Betsy, and it's her face, and it's like kind of, pixel- mm-hmm. not pixelated, but it's like all these little mini chunks of it are kind of missing right mini panels and so i thought that was just like really really well done i I love when i see really creative kind of page layout works and so i always want i I, when i see those things it stands out and i I love asking writers this um was that something that you had in your script or was that something that your artist kind of took on their own and made it or some combination of both well i had in the script that you know well First off, it wasn't in the script originally. Um, of that story, uh, Hassan Osman Elhow. And every time I say his name, I have to say the Eisner winning uh, <laughs> Hassan. <laughs> uh, he was the editor on that, uh, that story. Um, and he wanted, you know, some kind of visual representation. So I said, okay, well, let's have, uh, let's have these kind of flashes 
I think that's kind of the way I described him in the script is, you know, he flashes on, you know, with, and, and maybe I said, you know, Pablo, let's have this as an inset or something like that. And Pablo went completely a different way. And it's a good thing because what he did is so much better, you know, than what I had in the script. And he's, he's really, really good. Um, there's a panel that I, I probably have. I'm, I'm a really, I worry about my scripts being too long and my descriptions being too wordy. So I'm cut, 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 cut. Um, but there's a panel where um, Daniel is facing the, 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 the Martian tripod. And it's his reflection in the red of the Martian tripod. Now, I did not write it as his reflection in that. But when I saw that, I was like, holy crap, that's freaking awesome. I just, I love that panel so much because it, it gets at so many things. I mean, it's just, I, I love it. And, and that's all Pablo. He's, he's such a, a good artist um, because he can, you know, he can handle the action. He can handle this. And his storytelling from panel to panel is just great. And it's just, he's so great to work with. I, I feel really lucky to get to work with him and everybody else on the team, actually. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I could I, I could definitely see um, I could definitely see he was having a lot of fun, and and it felt like you guys were having just a lot of fun with this. And um, when when I found out you were you know um, uh, uh, had a literary background, I, I was like, oh, now all of this makes sense. <laughs> it makes yeah. it, the pieces come together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was it like, kind of? messing with some of some of those classic elements that i'm sure you loved um you know you, you you've um not only do you have a literary background but you, you say you're an avid reader as well yeah. and so like what, what it had been a lot of fun playing with some toys that you probably always wanted to play with oh yeah i mean that's that's one of the great things about you know the commons and you know all of this you know literary tradition that we inherit you know from Shakespeare to Dickens to H.G. Wells to, you know, you name it, all of these great works of art, you know, I, uh, if you look at the cover of number one, it's got uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, It's got a Martian tripod up there. Uh, You might notice that vampire up there in the top corner. Uh, he's coming in number two. <laughs> so we're doing, we're dealing with Dracula. Um, and then that's Mr. Hyde down in the bottom. I thought that was, you know, Dr. Jekyll, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde reference. So yeah. the last one, is that uh, Romeo and Juliet or Sleeping Beauty? Romeo and Juliet, you nailed it. Um, okay. I, that uh, Romeo and Juliet is of course quoted I was forced to memorize chunks of it, you know, in high school. Um, what I don't like about Romeo and Juliet is that it's held up to be this great love story. I'm like, no, it's a bunch of emo teenagers and they commit suicide because they're stupid. Okay. <laughs> and I give voice to my frustration with that work in through Hank in numbers three and four, as you know, we, we get to it, but uh, it's, that's one of the great things I think about that I really like about the setup is that, you know, we can have Shakespeare in an issue or two 
we can have, you know, Dracula in an issue. We can then jump to Sherlock Holmes, you know, or we could jump to um, uh, a Poe, you know, the, the murders in the Rue Morgue with Poe. We can, you know, we can just jump all the way around all of this, you know, kind of, and it's it's mainly because that's kind of my focus too. Is that I, you know I love all this old modern literature. You know you can look at uh, Jules Verne. You know you can look at. Uh, this is all uh, public domain stuff, right? Definitely. Now, uh, if you know Marvel or DC said, "Hey, we want to cross over with you," it'd be like, but <laughs> right now, <clears throat> I mean, we're and, and Kevin and I are going to cross over Tart and and cross over Vision. But part of that is a lot of these works, you know, are embedded in the culture. You know, there are, um, there are literally, there's a long list. Well, there's a genre of episodes of TV shows that ape a Christmas carol, you know, (laughs) because there's just so many of them, you know. A Christmas Carol is just, it's, everybody knows the story. They, even though if they haven't read it, they've probably seen it, you know, as a sitcom, you know, aping it or, you know, some, some, you know, drama aping it or something. I mean, it's, it's just so, so embedded into, you know, our literary, not only our literary, our storytelling traditions, I think at this point. And there are so many works like that, you know, a lot of people, and I'll be honest, uh, there's a lot of Shakespeare that I haven't read uh, just because it wasn't necessarily my primary area of interest. And it's hard to read, <laughs> to be honest, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, I you know who get... else, yeah, you know who <laughs> else is really hard to read? And like, I, he's like becoming part, and it's also because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of writing something mm-hmm. right now that, that's dealing with, his tropes is HP Lovecraft like is unbelievably difficult to read. He writes, you know, like he writes like someone who's never read a book before. Oh, and see, and I haven't actually read him, but I do want to do a crossover division issue. He's perfect. Yeah. Because. And I want, what I always try to do too is come at it. I didn't really get to do it as much as I wanted to in the first issue, because there's so much heavy lifting around, you know, establishing, characters and everything else going on, you know, just getting the, the basic mechanics of, you know, what happens. But I also want to try to look at the work and like in, in number two, I wanted to look at kind of the, the Victorian attitudes toward women, mm. you know, through the lens of Dracula, because it's, it's a pretty misogynistic book. If you kind of really look at it, you know, <laughs> especially with respect to the brides, um, you know, they're, they are free from the rules and uh, laws of, you know, the civilized world. And they're seen as these evil, you know, predatory mm. things to be feared, right? Th- and literally things or, you know, barely better than animals. Uh, so I want to try to bring a little of that to the works, you know, try to look at them maybe in a different way, I hope, um, with, with 
the, the third and fourth issue, which is actually going to be a two-part story, I, I do want to maybe hopefully bring some of the this is what Romeo and Juliet really is, <laughs> you know, as opposed to, oh, this great love story that, you know, oh, you know, but we'll see how that works. And then part of the fun is taking the works like, so I, I know, in fact, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be talking to my editor. Uh, unfortunately, Hassan is busy doing lettering and doing all kinds of things. So he's not, he's, he had to bow out for issue two, but I, uh, I found uh, James Powell, who is a good writer, really good writer. And uh, he's doing editing. And so far we've, we've worked really well together uh, on uh, this issue number two that we're about, or we're almost halfway through. Uh, so, you know, he gets to, he, see, he, he makes comments on the art. He makes, we went over the script first thing and tried to get into decent enough shape where we could give it to Pablo. And then what'll happen is, you know, once the art's there, we'll probably go, but I'll go back through and make sure that, and I'm sure he will too, that everything is kind of still where we want it. You know, is there anything we can still change at this point? Because I really, I try to limit the amount of edits and I'm sure if Brant's listening to this, he's probably laughing right now. I really do try to limit the number of edits, Brant. I, I really do. He's my letterer. <laughs> But um, he, it's, so, you know, even what's written now, the script that Pablo has, I think it's good, good enough so that we can get the, you know, the basics of what we want on the page from an art standpoint. And then we can come back and really refine the script to reflect, you know, and, and mesh better with what's, you know, on the page from, an art, from the art standpoint. It's that's, that's awesome. I I uh I know James uh well. He was on the podcast and uh oh um yeah he does awesome stuff. His House of Fear is great. Oh yeah um, yeah. In fact, I've got it. I've got the package here on the table somewhere that came in yesterday. I think I need to let him know it got here. <laughs> my my uh, just a quick question. You you worked with you know uh, uh, Gibbons who is from Dark Horse, um, mm-hmm. who's done done some great work. Over, I think he's doing his own thing now. I, I haven't kept up. Camp, I know Camp he's with Dark- Bitter Lake. Yeah, he did a Kickstarter. I think called Camp Bitter Lake, and uh, I think that's kind of he's trying to do a little more creative stuff right now as opposed to the editing. Yeah. So, but he was at Dark Horse, I think, right? And yeah. then mm-hmm. uh, you were with Hassan, and now you're with um, James. What's it? What have you been learning about yourself as a writer and a creator working with three different editors? That is an awesome question. Um, you know, it's, it's probably, it probably boils down to, you know, show don't tell. I, I think I have a tendency to probably try to tell more than show. But then I also, I also really cut, cut, cut as opposed, you know, dialogue, uh, panel descriptions, all of that stuff, so that it's it's really bare bones. And I don't know. I think after you know talking with Jim and talking with Hassan and now with James, I probably need to put more on the page 
you know, as, as opposed to, you know, I, I guess I should leave more on the page, you know, as opposed to what I, what I take out. Um, I'm one of these weirdos. I count, I count dialogue and caption words. Um, there was a great interview with uh, Alan Moore. It's online somewhere, but I read it and he goes, he, he gets into a page and panels and, and counting words and why he does it. Uh, he used, uh, it was just when he was getting started. So he says, oh, Mort Weisinger's uh, like the most popular Superman editor. So I'll use one of his books. Okay, cool. Here's a page. He counted the words on the pages and he came up with this average number of words. And I never remember what it is. I have a little text file that I pull up and then I start counting. Okay, this is the number of panels. But he says, here's your total number of words per page. Break that up against your number of panels. Boom. You know, so you divide that by the number of panels. A balloon should never have more, I think, than 25 words in it or 45 words in it, something like that. I need to look it up. But he, he says, because once a balloon gets a certain size, it's going to start obscuring the art. I mean, it's a really thoughtful process that he goes through that, you know, as he was analyzing these, you know, late, you know, Bronze Age Superman comics, you know, here's how, here's how the pros do it. So let's see how, what they do. And I maybe a little bit obsessively count those words because I want to make sure that I don't cover up the art because, I mean, ultimately this is a visual medium. Mm-hmm. As much as my, you know, ego would love to think that people are showing up for the words, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're not showing up for the words. <laughs> um, but it's, I've always been fascinated by the economy of comics uh, ever since reading uh, Eisner's uh, comics and sequential art so many years ago, you know, it's, it's the most effective way to communicate information because it's this marriage of words and pictures that, you know, TV is one thing and you can listen to podcasts and all those things. But if you want, you know, something that you can read, it is the most effective way an efficient way to get that information into somebody's head. And I probably err on the side of fewer words. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever be accused of being Chris Claremont and you know, having you know, a giant, a thousand words on a page or something. No, but, you're not the second coming of Bendis. No, I, I don't think so. I, um, but I do have a tendency. I do have a tendency to probably make things, to decompress things a little bit more than they should be. Uh, that's one of the, there's this go-to sequence that I have and, and I'll, I'll write it and I'll start to move on and go, wait a minute, I just did it again. Stop that. It's a three panel sequence where basically there's no text, you know, there's no, no dialogue, no caption. Something, something happens and something happens. Uh, for instance, uh, I, I did it in, it's, it's, we didn't ever, we never did got to it, but in like diary number six, um, I was going to have her, uh, Catherine, the main character, 
walk, stumble, and fall. And I find myself doing those really close together in time sequences when I should pull back and it's, you know, they can be summarized, you know, maybe with one panel. And that's something that I'm, I maybe struggle with a little bit because I I like those, I I like, I like those sequences. I don't know what it is. There's something about the symmetry of it. The, I don't know what it is. It's just something that I really like and I'm probably weird. So there you go. (laughs) No, it it makes a lot of sense because you, you want the reader to understand kind of what's going on. Right. And part of, you know, part of kind of the whole visual medium, like you said, is that the efficiency of it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. as a writer learning how to wield that efficiency, right. um, Is half the battle. Right. And, you know, it's, it also helps too when, you know, your artist is able to do some of that. Right. Like I always, (laughs) I always put in my, I always put in my scripts, like use this as a guideline, not as absolutely. Yeah. Not as, not as uh, uh, the old Testament or whatever. Like it's not a binding contract. You see, (laughs) if you see a better way to portray this information, do it because that's literally their job is they are, they are visual thinkers. You know, I can try, but I'll never attain, you know, the degree to which they think visually, you know, as an artist, because that's, you know, part of part and parcel of their, you know, who they are. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to say that, you know, you're not my hands. Okay. (laughs) You're bringing a lot of stuff to the table that frankly, I, you know, don't really have. So for me to tell you what to do and not, you know, value or utilize your input is the height of arrogance. Right. So, you know, it's a team. That's, that's the whole part of this is that, you know, you know, I wrote, you know, I am, I am crossover division. No, I'm not. <laughs> I am, I am kind of the first step in the process of what becomes, you know, crossover division, but it's certainly not all me. Uh, it's, it's a team effort. And luckily I have such a great team that they really make me look good. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, there's, there's, I've said this a bunch on here, but there's really nothing better than getting uh, a page back from your artist that you wrote for the first time, like getting a new page. It's like your your birthday and Christmas morning wrapped into one oh, because yeah. because it's exactly what you envisioned, but a thousand times better. If that makes any sense, I, I've talked about this in my newsletter a lot. I'm like, there are no better emails than aren't emails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you're right. It's like Christmas, your birthday, it's all rolled. It's like, wait a minute. I, I, I saw this in my head. I typed, I pounded some letters into a, you know, a, a keyboard. I sent it off to, you know, somewhere to an artist. And then they come back with this. It's like magic. You know, it's like, it's, I tell awesome. people all the time it's a, it's actual magic. It, it is. Know, it, it, it's interesting, you know. Uh, Stephen King in in what, on writing he calls he calls writing the art of writing telepathy, right? Because you're exchanging mental ideas, right? It's the, mm-hmm. it's the the rudimentary technology of of telepathy, and I kind of think as as comic pages as the three D printing 
of telepathy, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it's like my right. it's like my thoughts, and then someone brings them into the world. So it's it's a pretty cool process. You know, it, it's funny you bring King into it for because for the longest time, I I I I'll admit it, I was a bit of a snob toward King. You know, he wrote that horror genre stuff that I didn't not a big fan of horror. Um, you know, and I never really gave him a fair shake. And then somebody recommended on writing to me and I was like, holy crap. Can I, can First I, off, uh, bad will, uh, you were you know, bad <laughs> for not, not recognizing how good he is. But then that book is just, you know, is so amazing because it talks about not only, you know, how he sets up scenes and how he does these, you know, things that he does, but you know, his struggle as a creative, you know, for, for many years, it's just such an amazing book. And yeah, if I could go back in time, I would yell at myself to, you know, dummy. Have you, have you read any now. of his, have you read any of his fiction? Is Not yet. Fiction? I've, I've got a giant pile of to read and I haven't moved so, over into that yet. <laughs> So I love on writing fantastic book. I've read it, I think three or four times every, every time. Like, I don't know if you get like this in in creative writing, but sometimes I go through lulls in my, like Mm -hmm. my output or like my confidence as a writer. And so I usually have to go and and dig into the, um, there's like three or four books that I grab when I'm like, okay, I got to recenter, realign the wheels, if you will. And uh, on writing is one of Uh, the war of art. Have you, that's one of them. Is War of Art one of them? It's, that's a great one too. Yep, War of Art's War one of them. Art, uh, yeah, it's one of those that it's a good one. Yeah, but the, yeah, the on War. writing your right is just so. Yeah, the War War of Art's definitely sorry, one of them. I, I think I. Uh, I, I don't know what happened, but War of Art's definitely one of them. Stephen <laughs> Stephen King's on writing, but I will say this: I hate Stephen King's fiction. Oh, okay. <laughs> with a passion. With a passion. Um, his nonfiction is phenomenal. With a passion. <laughs> uh, his nonfiction is fantastic. I think... love love it. His his fiction. I I, th- I don't. He he is really self indulgent, and for some people, they really like that. And what I mean by that is like. I'm reading, I'm trying really, really hard to read The Stand, which is like a 700-page book. And I think the hun- Stand edition is like 1,100 pages, right? Something crazy like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and for 100 pages, nothing happens. You know, it's funny. Uh, my wife was watching the, the new Stand miniseries, and... and uh, it's got a lot of great actors and actresses in it, and it's very well done. I, I would glance at it, you know, and, and then, but it it annoyed me so much because of the ending. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so God is now a character in this book <laughs> because he's talking to these people, and he's putting them through all this torture when he just is going to set off a nuke in Vegas anyway. What was the point? And plus he killed off 99% of the population of the planet. I'm like, 
I, I don't understand the theology of this. What? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and Stace was like, just, I'm watching it. Shut up. Like, okay. Okay. Fine. Just watch it. <laughs> and we'll go on. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Well, the stand is held up way. as, the stand is held up as one of these. And, and maybe, and that might be one of the reasons why horror doesn't necessarily appeal to me is because it seems so one-sided right you know the bad guys have all the tools and all the knowledge and all the the stuff whereas the good guys are starting typically at a you know less than zero you know and i I get you want to have a good struggle for your characters but it doesn't seem i guess it offends my sense of justice right and fairness um and i'm sure that you know he he is very worried about that, you know, as, as he writes his next three novels. Yeah. No, I'm talking. Yeah. I I have the utmost respect for him for the fact that he's been as prolific. I'm sure people listening to this are going to be like, Oh, you got to read and then insert whatever. (laughs) But I've, I've tried to read Salem's lot. I've tried to read, you know, uh, his new one that just came out that became an H the outsider. And I get it's about the same he writes and his novels feel the way that he described his writing mm-hmm. in his book in which he has no idea what's going on and he just transcribes it. And oh, is this the is this the old pantser versus plotter <laughs> argument? <laughs> yeah, right? And like he's like the most famous pants right the fly by the seat of your pants guy. You know, I, I <clears throat> I hadn't considered that, but I, I think you're right because for me, and this is something that I taught, structure is the most important thing. You know, you can't you can't build a house if you start out trying to build, you know, a bike, right? <laughs> you, you have to have some kind of plan, and you know that structure gives us it it, it limits us in ways that forced us, I think, to be creative around those limitations. And, you know, to me, well, I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, crossover division, it's, it's designed, the structure of it is almost to be, you know, it's to be episodic, really. You know, there's going to be an overall arc and story going on, but, you know, I could almost see this as a, you know, a weekly television show, right? You know, hey, we're going to go out. We're going to stop Dracula this week. We're going to stop Frankenstein this week. You know, and, or, you know, Shakespeare next week or whatever. You know, it's it's built to be episodic, but then you know, have longer story arcs that are happening as those episodes happen as well. And you know that that may come from you know me watching the X Files a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> me watching. I'm a, I'm a huge, tremendous fan of uh, John Rogers, uh, who uh, worked on uh, Leverage, uh, Librarians. Uh, he's just, I, I, I really like his kind of attitude toward writing and his attitude toward story. Um, it's, it just resonates with me, I guess. Um, but you, you, I, I just, I don't know how I, you could write a 
thousand page novel and not know where you're going. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I could. There. I... So, uh, so what, what, what is your writing process like? Because I, I love the, the talking to creators and I always ask on this podcast kind of that question because when I was first starting to write, um, you, one of the big things is you don't know if you're doing it the correct way, right? Like you have no idea what you're doing, right? And so you are flying by the seat of your pants. And so you're trying to consume as much information, or at least I did, as mm-hmm. possible, right? From all these different writers. But one thing writers, or at least I couldn't find, and one reason why I, I like to do it on this podcast, reason why I'm doing it, is I didn't get a lot of how the writers wrote. What was their process like? And what's interesting is everyone has a different process yeah and it's it works for everyone it works different and i'd love to hear kind of how you do it because you you could you see how it works for them and you could take a little bit from you know everyone else and it's just a really interesting concept that i think more i, I wish more people shared it's it's funny um because i think a really important part of the process is reading and just sitting off and staring into space, you know, like uh, this, this past Sunday um, I had the house to myself for a few short hours. So I turned up the stereo, made myself some lunch and I sat down. I'm like, all right, I'm going to goof off. I started eating and this idea hit me. I went, no, no, I've, I've already got issues of crossover division to write. I've got um, all this stuff to do. I don't have time for another idea. I've, I've got this other thing to develop, that I've uh, this graphic novel that I've already written 80 pages of. No. But wait, if I did, and I was lost at that point. I had to sit and I had to start typing in some basic ideas of like, okay, this is what, this is what we're going after here. This would be really cool here. And, and then I said, okay, maybe that, maybe that gets it out of my system. Right. And then I was writing the newsletter last night and I was talking about, you know, my failed attempt to goof off. (laughs) And I remembered at that point, this title that I had, it was in conversation at work like four years ago. I'm like, Oh, that's a really awesome idea for a title. So I popped it down and then this thing happened and I went, Oh, this title will fit perfectly with that. Dang it. <laughs> you know, now I'm going to have to work on it. Uh, but from the, the, so if it, when the muse, you know, beats you over the head with a baseball bat, you know, listen to her. Right. Um, but as far as the writing process for the longest time, I just kind of wrote whenever the fancy struck me. Right. And I didn't get a lot of writing done. Um, which was disappointing, you know, it's because, you know, Hey, where you put your time is what your focus is. So obviously my focus wasn't the writing. And uh, the great thing about being part of the comics launch and comics launch mastermind is, you know, having that group to, you know, say, Hey, I'm having trouble with my time. You know, I've tried scheduling with, with this and I've tried scheduling with that and that. And finally, finally they said, well, you know, well, what's the most important thing to you? 
and the fact that because I was trying to impose this order that I would never because I'm kind of like you know this is this is past me saying you're going to do this now because I said so and present me is like well you're not the boss of me you know <laughs> so it was I, I don't really do schedules very well um, personally because I I like that perceived freedom I guess but one of the things that I did that really helped me was I used my, my newsletter as kind of my accountability partner. And I set a really low goal. I want to have four pages of script on a week. And talk about motivation. You know, not being forced to tell my newsletter that I didn't get four pages written. That's a, that's a great motivator. I, I can't tell them that I didn't get it done. They think I'm a lazy slob. So, um, Last year, I wrote more pages than I had ever written in my entire career just because I was doing four pages a week, you know? And then, well, that was the year before last. Last year, I wrote even more pages because I hit those four page, you know, and, and four pages is the minimum. You know, if I'm on a roll, you know, I'll just keep writing. Um, and one thing that really helped me, and I'm sure I'm, I'm really pretty sure that I'm not doing it right at this point. (laughs) Honestly, uh, I I don't know, you know, it's kind of all make it up as we go, I guess. But um, I found it kind of comforting to use the script format from comics experience. So I, I have, okay, I've got this format, you know, I've got a template set up. Uh, I write in word, um, I write in word for comic stuff. Uh, I've done NaNoWriMo a couple of times uh, for novel, and I love Scrivener for that. But Scrivener and I just don't work well when I'm trying to write comics. Uh, I know there's some templates out there that uh, some writers have built, but it just, the auto numbering, and I just, I couldn't get my flow to work. So I just flipped, went back to Word, you know, Microsoft, good old Microsoft Word. Um, but the idea of say, okay, I've got four pages to do this week. Okay. What, what am I working on? Okay. Well, I've got, um, this script here. I'm on page five. Okay. Where was I? Here's the next four pages and just go, um, you know, how many, I try to default to five panels per page. I think that's kind of a, you know, kind of, maybe industry kind of average right now. Um, you know, it gives the artist a lot of room to work. Uh, and I try to be mindful of the words always. <laughs> That's my obsession. Um, but I try to be mindful of what I'm asking the artist to do. You know, if I said, look, this is going to be an eight page, an eight, eight panel page, maybe the next page is three panels, right? You know, or maybe the next, you know, we're so so that we're not, you know, Hey, page one, splash page. Two armies, each with a million people, you need to draw all of them individually, are clashing in the middle of the page. <laughs> and no, uh, hopefully I don't ever do that. Pablo would probably, you know, hunt me down. No, just no. I'm not going to try a million, <laughs> million soldiers. Um, so when you're, when, you're, when you're writing, are you, are you, you're doing full script, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so now when you're, when you're, 
how when you're writing with like with with your artist Pablo, um, how many when you're writing have you like developed a shorthand because it's um, with with your artists like particularly because I know um, some writers I've talked to said that yeah like now that I've worked with this artist for you know a couple issues it's turned into like all right do your magic here or like yeah. this is what we're doing and and then some some writers like no I I I go strictly full script and I'm super hands on so I was just wondering kind of where you fell on that. I, I want to get to that point. You know, Pablo and I've only really worked on, you know, 34 pages, I guess, you know, one full issue and, and, and the, the eight page script. I, I hope we can get to that point um, because, you know, I, I think as, as we learn more about each other as creators, you know, we're going to, we're going to get a better communication and, and in theory, that's going to make a better, a better story. But you know, I don't. I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, and, and and that that goes for the rest of the team as well. Um, you know, as as the longer that we work together, I think. Excuse me. I think the better we're going to get because we will develop some of those shorthands. Um, you know that that works with you know James as the editor or Brant as the you know as the letterer. So yeah, we're we're working that we're working that way slowly. You know, we're we're gonna build that shorthand out. Um, I'm I'm of two minds, kind of on the full script versus the uh, you know like the Marvel method. You know, where you just kind of these are the actions on the page. Um, because I actually go through the Marvel method when I write. You know, I will break a script down and this is probably not the right way to do it, but I'm like, how many pages do I have? Okay. Then this needs to happen in that many pages. Right. (laughs) So then you start breaking down the actions and, and one thing I like that, that Warren Ellis said in an interview is, or on Twitter or something is that use an additive method. So, you know, if you have a plain text file, page one, this happens page two, this happens page three, you know, so you have 24 pages, you know, each in a line, go back up to the next one, panel one underneath that. So you're always just adding to that base. So you don't have like some stuff over here and some stuff over there in case you lose something, you know, you may, Hey, by the way, use Google drive or Dropbox or box or something and always back your stuff up. Please. (laughs) I I write exclusively, I write exclusively on Google docs now my uh-huh. my laptop is still dead that has i don't know uh-huh. how much things on on there actually my uh my cover for man of sin that i was mocking up was on it and it died and then the pandemic happened and so like i can't get to it and but i got a a, a different laptop but that one's still, still sitting broken. there yeah, yeah just still <laughs> sitting there waiting for me to get to apple at some point, <laughs> but yeah, Google drive is the only thing I, I work in now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, I, I feel like not just writers, but artists of, of every stripe, we kind of devalue what we do. You know, it's, Hey, this is just me. This is me typing some words, you know, certainly that's not important, but it is. 
and I don't just mean, you know, my words. I mean, everybody's, you know, every writer should think that their work is important because it's important to them and that's what matters, right? Um, I, I like from a, from writer as, I guess, architect, if you want to go with this kind of metaphor. I like the idea of full script because it gives me a certain amount of control without knowing who the artist is going to be. And in indie comics, you know, we're writing, we're writing blind sometimes. You know, I did not know Pablo was going to be the artist when I wrote Crossover Division number one. In fact, I don't think I had found Pablo or Pablo had found me um, until after I'd written number four, in fact, uh, which still needs lots of editing, by the way. James is going to have his work cut out for him. <laughs> but um, that, that is one thing I've noticed. Um, the, uh, the scripts, the script for number one, was really, really, really bare bones. And as it got edited from comics experience, uh, multiple passes over there through various creators and editors, and finally to Jim and Hassan, it, it became more detailed, and I guess it became enough detailed. It, it got to where it needed to be, I think. So I'm actually kind of curious. Um, James and I are going to talk uh, tomorrow about the plan for uh, the five through eight arc and, and what we want to accomplish there tomorrow. But I'm curious what he's going to think after seeing number two, which has also been through a couple of revisions, I think, over the comics experience, versus three and four, which have had no passes over. It's just they're drafts. They're, they're my first drafts. So I, I'm... I'm curious what he's going to think of, you know, Hey, this is, this is, you know, this number two has had some passes on it and maybe it's pretty good. Wow. This three and four suck. You know, so I, you know, I don't know at that point, but um, I, I think, I really think full script with the understanding that the artist can change whatever they need to change, you know, for the sake of the story is, it's the best way to go because it, it not only informs, you're not only stating your kind of intentions, you know, and, and the maybe themes or things that you think are important, but you're, you know, the artist is getting that so that they can, you know, maybe understand better where you're trying to go so that they can, the art can reflect those intentions, whether they're on the page completely or not. Does that make any kind of sense or am I just babbling at this point? <laughs> I understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, when you, when you're, when you're working it, when you're working with an artist, it's really important to find an artist who understands your story and understands mm -hmm. what you're trying to get. Not only, 
out of the story, but from the characters, right? So mm-hmm. you just have an artist who, like, one thing I found out right away in my comics career, and I'm glad it happened to me, was Man of Sin had um, three artists attached to it before we mm-hmm. finally got the ball, you know, kind of rolling. The first mm-hmm. artist was just the first person who said yes to me, right? Who wanted to work with me. (laughs) Like I was like the kid in the eighth grade dance and finally (laughs) someone wanted to dance with me. Right. Yay. Yeah. And (laughs) and, and that's that artist ended up um, just disappearing on me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I should have seen all the signs. Right. I was, the artist had like one or two sequential pages. It was all just kind of pinups and they were all very, (laughs) very spaced out in time. Right. Like, it's not like this artist was doing something. And so trying to do a full 22 pages was probably, you know, the artist couldn't couldn't handle it. And I should have seen Mm -hmm. that. So that was my, the first artist, no pages were done. I think one page that was maybe laid out. The second artist did, um, the first six pages and then basically said, if this doesn't get picked up by a publisher, I can't continue. And, okay. and the reason and he couldn't continue because he got a graphic design job and needed to make money for his family. I totally get it. Totally. Yeah. That's completely understandable. And he was upfront with me on that. And it, you know, publishers were like, they, they passed on it. Mm-hmm. And, I really want, I really believed in this story. And so I went one more time and finally found the artist who ended up doing the entire series. His name was uh, Camilo Ponce. And I knew of him. I was a fan of his work. And he happened to reach out to me. He was like, Hey, I really like this story. So I knew of him first. So the fact that he wanted to work with me and then he redid the first six pages and I realized immediately what nice. was wrong and why everyone passed up on it was because the artist, as good as that artist was and the first artist was, they weren't right for the story. They didn't understand what we mm-hmm. were going through. Now, that that could have been a lack of uh, articulation on my part. But the, the lesson I learned there, and I, I, I try to scream this to the mountaintops to all new creators – is you have to find the artist that works for your story. Absolutely. And so, and, it, and it's hard. It really is hard. <laughs> oh yeah. This is, you know, it, it took me three artists and maybe two years of, mm-hmm. you know, of, uh, of, of failed, you know, getting off the ground. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, now we have a, 92 page graphic novel that helped me get more things and get the ball rolling and it gets got published and all that good stuff. And I man of sin, it wouldn't be what it is today without Camilo and his vision on it and Mm -hmm. without him understanding what was was going. So when you're talking about, you know, getting these artists and what they could do on the panel and they could see Mm -hmm. things differently. I totally get that because you know, and in, in you see it when art changes on a series, right? Yep. Like you're in the middle of a series and all of a sudden the art changes and like you immediately are like, what, what's going on? What's going on here? This isn't the same story <laughs> I, I was reading. And so it's, you know, I think it's really important to find someone who, who gets what you're trying to do and, and, and that you work well with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's Absolutely. a collaborative medium. 
And you know, it's, and it's, and it's hopefully enthusiastic about the story too. Uh, you know, because Pablo is enthusiastic about it. He brings so much stuff. You know, um, he he likes to try new things, and which is great because some you know those things work most of the time. And when they don't, you know, hey, we're, we we talk about it and. And maybe I wasn't clear in the script that, oh, hey, I needed, you know, I needed this to happen or something because of what comes next or something. And that's something that um, I've tried to get better at doing is, you know, hey, you know, this is page two. There's a big boa constrictor here. It has to be here because it's important on page 17. Okay. (laughs) You know, when we get there, not, I, I don't think I've ever put a boa constrictor in the script. I'm going to have to do that one of these days. Anyway, um, but not surprising the artist. You know, it's like, hey, page 17, the gun, which I didn't tell you about back four pages ago, he pulls it out. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> you know, I didn't have that on there. You know, and, and that is totally a failure, you know, on my part or a writer's part because we're not giving the artist everything that they need to tell the story in the best way possible. Uh, and, and I'm, I like to think that I have one allegiance when it comes to comics and that's the story. I, I have to take my ego out of it. I, you know, you, you got to kill your darlings. I don't kill them. I save them off to the side and hopefully can use them later. But <laughs> Put them in a life right. ra- lifeboat. Put them in a life raft. Yeah, or lifeboat. You go you over there and you know we'll put you, put you in a dinghy. You can you know trail behind the boat or whatever. Um, there is a uh, there's a page actually in Crossover Division number one that I wrote. I think it's supposed to be page thirteen, page fourteen. Um, I loved it. It totally did not work. In in the script at all, and I wrote it out. It's like the sixth panel. It's it's uh, Hank going through orientation at crossover division. As in number two, sorry, it was in number two, and uh, it's like a ten hour video series, and you can just see him over a course. I'm using my panel trick again. Over a course of six panels, he's just basically collapsing because it's just so ungodly boring. And I wrote it, and I'm like, I love it. It totally doesn't work. <laughs> so I actually have, I have the text of that saved out as crossover division original page thirteen. <laughs> I've got it set aside so I didn't waste it. <laughs> but you know, it's and I don't know if that's instinct or if that's you know, it, it, it's it's hard because you know at some point you have to trust yourself to tell the story but you also have to trust that you're not always going to make the right decision. Right. So there's that balance that you kind of have to achieve. Like, did, okay. Did I really mean, you know, is that good enough or is it completely, you know, off the wall and, you know, breaks up the flow of the story? Um, You know, how do you, how do you balance those? And part of it, I think, part of what I really think comes down to just doing it right. You know, if you've done a five page script, 
you've done an eight page script, if you've done a 22, if you've done a 24, if you've done an 80 or whatever, the more you do it, the more confident you're going to get. Now, hopefully that confidence is earned. (laughs) You're not just doing the same thing over and over. You're learning and getting better as you do things. But I know, was it uh, last year? So I I wanted to, I, I basically had an idea for a character. Sorry, an idea for a story. And I wanted to tell it like an old uh, serial. So I said, okay, I did some research. Most of the old Republic serials, the, you know, kind of the gold standard were 12 episodes long. I'm like, okay, 12 episodes, eight page chunks. That's 96 pages, right? Um, I mapped out pretty much what had to happen in each chapter or each, yeah, chapter one, chapter two, whatever, up to chapter 12. And the structure of that and how it works, you, know, you have to you have to basically end on a cliffhanger, right? You know, because that's the, <laughs> that the old serials did. So I planned that one out pretty well. Well, I did kind of a sequel to it that I wrote. And I didn't plan it out as well. And, and the, the story was really fighting me toward the end because I hadn't necessarily put things where they needed to be or done what I needed to do. So it kind of veered off a little bit. I feel like I lost control of it. So I need to come back and really have, a, you know, it needs editing and it needs to, you know, once I finally figured out, oh, okay, this is where I'm going with this, go back and then make it look like I knew what I was doing all along. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, na- that's the name of the game, right? That's right. Uh, Totally, you know, we don't make mistakes. We just make art. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thank you so much, man, for uh, for chatting with me. What? Uh, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, at Walred, uh, at W-A-L-L-R-E-D on Twitter or Gmail or Facebook, uh, all kinds of places. Um, I do have sites for Crossover Division, <clears throat> uh, crossoverdivision.com or diaryofnight.com. I also have my own author page, but still trying to figure out how to get my newsletter to hype to it so it's not got a whole lot there. But that's willallred.com. Um, and then just for fun, um, because I love, I love comics. I just love comics so much. Um, I've been doing a, a podcast a couple of uh, guys I actually just met for the podcast when we first started is the Quantum Zone because we all love Quasar. Marvel's Quasar, I just love that series so much. Uh, we did about 152 episodes of that and then uh, we switched over uh, a few months ago to uh, Green Lantern. So we started talking about Green Lantern, the 90 series, starting with you know the first issue and then working our way up where we discuss the issues and you know kind of analyze them a little bit. Sometimes we do read throughs just because it's fun uh, to goof off. It's just, you know, it's, uh, it's talking comics with some friends once a week. So it's, it's just fun. You know, (laughs) I I completely, completely understand. What's the name of the podcast again? I'm going to go subscribe to it and listen to it. Uh, It's the, uh, it's called sector 2814. The original one was uh, for Quasar. It was the quantum zone. Um, And it's, I mean, we wear these during the podcast (laughs) the uh the lantern rings that's awesome (laughs) lantern ring that's right um that's awesome 
yeah, it's just, you know, somebody said, Hey, you're a podcaster. I'm like, no, I'm not. Uh, Phil does all the work. I show up and talk about comics for an hour and it's great. <laughs> yeah. I don't do anything except talk and, and talk, talk apparently, but it's, it's nice to talk about comics from a craft standpoint, you know, with other creators, which is great. I mean, because there's working with Kevin on the script for our Tart crossover division crossover. It's so interesting to see how he, how he constructs a page and how he thinks about a page and a panel and a scene because it's totally different than the way I do. And it's really great to kind of see that thought process on the page. I mean, it's, it's awesome because I think I've told him this, I'm going to steal all of his good tricks. I'm already stealing all of his good tricks. Um, but uh, it's also fun to just talk about comics as a fan because I've been reading comics a long time and I just love comics and there's, Lots of great old comics. There's lots of great new comics. I mean, there's so much great work out there in, you know, from the big two and image and dark horse, but there's also so much diversity in, in wonderful strangeness and good stuff in indie books too. I mean, there's, there's just, we kind of live in a golden age of, of the comic art form and you know how people are using it to express themselves. It sure would be nice if the comics industry was better about sharing those profits around <laughs> with everybody, but you know that that is what it is at this point. But still, I mean, there's just so much great stuff out there right now. I mean, if you're a horror fan, there's lots of great horror books. Uh, John Lee's on Sync. I mean, he's. Uh, I'm, I'm on his newsletter. So, you know, listening you know, to him talk about how he does things is great. Uh, I, I just love talking about comics from about any standpoint. It's just comics are great. I, I couldn't agree more, man. It's one of the reasons why uh, I'm doing this. I, you know, I really think it's an important, not only for myself, right. As like a, as a creator myself to hear from my peers and, and, and learn from people, but also, you know, I always, I always think about myself when I first started and what I would have wanted mm-hmm. and the content and the ideas and, and the conversations I would have wanted to have. And so one of the reasons why I, I do this and why I, I try to search out a, a wide breadth of, of mm-hmm. creators and is, you know, these are the things that I, I'm not only am I learning from today, but someone somewhere probably needs to hear. And Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's awesome too, because it's, it's hard enough. And takes enough time to to just write that first script. Right. But that's not even a 10th of the process. Right. It, It takes so much to build a comic and as important as the script is it's also just a small step in what is 
going to be that, you know, that physical thing that people can hold in their hands. And, and I don't know about you, but, you know, and it takes a long time. It does take a long time, but, but holding something that was first conceived of, you know, up here in my brain and wouldn't exist if I wouldn't have kept going to the next step and going to the next step and going to the next step and, you know, having, you know, finding an artist, finding editor, finding, you know, penciler, inker, colorist, finding, you know, and luckily Pablo does all those things. So that was one step, <laughs> but uh, all of those steps, you know, to the Kickstarter, to getting it printed, it's, it's, it can be so exhausting and it's so, so much of that has nothing to do with the, the actual artistry of creating the comic itself. It has so much to do with, you know, kind of the, the project management parts of this is how it goes from all this great stuff that you guys put together as artists. Now let's get it printed and, and mailed out. And Hey, I'm glad actually you got your copy and that it hopefully arrived in good shape. <laughs> it did. It, it, it arrived in great shape. I, I immediately opened it up. I, I thought it was well packaged and it got here and I cracked it open and immediately dove in and, and loved every second of it. Awesome. Thank you. That was, yeah, that, that you're means welcome. a lot. Oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell, I wouldn't tell, you know, I wouldn't have asked you to come on if I didn't. If I <laughs> well, and you know, I, I also wanted to make it a little bit educational, which is why I put those kind of essays, you know, little uh, introductory essays about the works, you know, because... I'm, I'm, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was on my mind too. I thought, I thought those were so well done. Did you design those pages? Who did those? That, uh, I'm Brandt, always that's in... all brand. It's like, Dude, do your thing, and he did his thing. <laughs> man, that is that is awesome, man. It's so well done, and and I appreciate it. You know, as a as a teacher myself, as someone who's who's in that world, I just I appreciated it. Um, but it was and it was really well done too. And it and you know, it's one of those things that it's one of those touches that when you see when when you don't see it in a in a comic, you don't notice it, right? But when mm-hmm. they're there, you appreciate it. And it's something awesome. that it's it's something that I definitely appreciated. It's something that I'm gonna um, gonna have to start doing because I've never done something like that. But now I feel like I'm missing <laughs> out. Well, you know, it, it, from my mind, it was it's kind of like because I am taking something from those you know original writers. You know, I'm taking their concepts and I'm perhaps bending them, maybe beyond recognition. I hope not. But to then say, look. Yes, this is this is not from me. I am not the creator of this. Here, here, here's the creator of it. Here's when it was published. You know, just <clears throat> I'm a big fan of uh, historical context. You know, placing something when it came, you know, when, when it in its in its proper historical context. Um, so putting those in kind of felt to me like a way to, Hey, if you've never encountered war of the worlds before, and you think those things look kind of cool, go read the book by HG Wells, you know, or if you think the wizard of Oz is cool, there's a crap ton of books that you can go out to the library and get them. You know, it's, it it just seems kind of, I, I hope it seems respectful 
because I think that's really what I was trying for is to oh, be it, respectful it, to those original things. Yeah, and definitely. Still play with them yeah, definitely, definitely respectful. Very well done. Um, it was one of those things where it's you know um, it's a perfect little little uh, ornament or add on to your book that that ties the book it's it's, it's the it's the rug in the in the Bowski's house right it ties the whole room together. it ties the room together yeah. <laughs> I like that that's awesome <laughs> well uh, on that note uh, well thank you for joining me I appreciate it I had an awesome time. And we'll, uh, once well, you get for a, having me on, this is great conversation, yeah. man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And once, um, once you get, a, uh, an, the next issue out, we'll, uh, we'll have to come and do this again. Yeah. That sounds great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Well,